Welcome to the Sea Health Podcast, where we believe that self-care is healthcare. Too often we find ourselves in a constant struggle to balance career, health, and family, or feel guilty when we even think about taking time for ourselves. Most of the healthcare advice we find on social media never seems to quite fit our needs, and it's unclear whether it's even based on real scientific evidence. We may even be at the point where we just accept that constant stress, pain, and disability are natural. Or maybe we've given up on the idea that we can make changes that would improve our state of well-being. At Sea Health, our fundamental belief is that people can change. We help you identify self-limiting beliefs and behaviors that have been preventing you from reaching your fullest potential. In this podcast, we will discuss both evidence-based and experience-based self-care practices that can be done anywhere to accommodate your busy schedule. These will help you optimize your health, fitness, and productivity. We use movement and mindfulness as our pharmacy to take you from feeling overwhelmed and indecisive to feeling empowered and confident with your self-care decisions. I'm your host, Danielle Day. I've been coaching for over 25 years in university lecture halls, gymnasiums, yoga studios, and in the corporate world. I have a PhD in integrative physiology, I'm a certified yoga instructor, and I have my level one CrossFit certification. But formal education aside, I've learned the most about life from taking chances, making missteps, reflecting on my choices, and committing to a life of continual personal and professional growth. I'll often be joined by my co-host, Ramez Antoon. Ramez is a physical therapist specializing in orthopedics and sports rehabilitation. He's also a strength coach, Tai Chi practitioner, and you will never meet anyone who is more passionate and curious about movement, health, and longevity. I'll often be joined by my co-host, Ramez Antoon. Ramez is a physical therapist specializing in orthopedics and sports rehab. He's also a strength coach, Tai Chi practitioner, and you will never meet anyone who is more passionate and curious about movement, health, and longevity. Together, we will filter through the science, the fluff, share personal stories, and discuss our experiences working with busy clients to bring you actionable advice. If you're interested in our telehealth care coaching services, please visit us at chealthcoach.com. That's the letter C, healthcoach.com. We'd like to thank you for listening. And without further delay, here's today's episode. All right, everyone. Before this episode begins, me and Danielle have a little confession to make. The title of this episode is Exercise Personality. And we started talking about that in the beginning, but the episode kind of went off track and we got a little tangential. We did talk about a lot of great topics like uh, Tai Chi and yoga and our relationship with time and the mindset behind recovery. And we're probably going to have to do another episode, part two of exercise personality, where we really dive into that topic. But for whatever it's worth, here's today's episode. We hope you enjoy. This idea came to me about exercise personality because people ask me all the time, you know, what they should do to, to be more active and, you know, what's best. Should I run? Should I go to the gym? Um, do I need to do yoga? Um, they'll also ask things like, is it better to exercise in the morning or the evening or should I eat before I exercise? Should I not? Um, and it's just, it occurred to me that, you know, everyone's kind of looking for that one size fits all. Um, but I really think of exercise more like um, a relationship, right? So we have these dating apps where you're trying to meet your perfect partner. And I think 
when it comes to exercise, I encourage people to, to try different things. Um, but I also know a lot of people who are very set on doing the same thing at the same time every single day, and they're really committed to it. And so I guess my first question for you would be, do you think you always need to have a plan or a routine when it comes to exercise, something, some kind of consistency of the type of movement or the time or the amount or what are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, <clears throat> that's a really good question. I, I always bring it back down to what's the goal, right? Like if, cause you can have five different people with five totally different goals. And you know, if someone wants to compete in a powerlifting competition, the answer is you need a plan and you need to track volume and load. And especially if you want to have that be something that's sustainable. If you are really into, I like, I don't like calling it exercise anymore. I've started calling it a movement practice, yeah. right? If you're into um, a movement practice or we'll just call it exercise for the sake of community camaraderie, um, and just feeling connected with other people while you're moving and being physically active, then the answer is no, right? And if you're if you were hanging out all winter doing nothing, and then you want to join a running club that is completely out of your league, I mean, just having a general understanding of what you were doing before you initiate for the first time, I think is really important because you know we always in the clinic in orthopedic clinics, we'll usually see every March and April, we get people coming in with knee pain, right? And it's like, they think something went, is wrong with their knee, but it's like, no, they were inactive all winter. And then they decided to go run a 5k, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with that person's knee. So the answer to your question, I would say, number one, it depends on the goal of the person. Like, what do they, what do they want from physical activity? <clears throat> and then number two, I think you can have two categories of um, a plan. One is like extremely micro and macro focused where you know you have like an actual written program sets, reps, rest periods, volumes, heart rate, all this different stuff. But then you can have more of a general understanding, a more self-awareness of what your physical activity had been prior mm -hmm. um, and not jumping to a big spike in volume and load, right? Like if you've only been getting 5,000 steps on your Fitbit and all of a sudden you want to go and get 15,000 steps on a weekend, that general awareness I think is really important. Yeah. Is that, does that answer your question? I think it's, it's a great answer. And I, first of all, I love the, the shift in um, moving from the word exercise to movement. I have also started doing that. So when I'm planning out my ideal day, um, I don't even call it getting some exercise. It's movement because first of all, I think for those of us who are pretty much all of us who are really busy and just trying to squeeze this in, um, in a culture where movement isn't part of our day, like it used to be, you know, back when we were farmers and <laughs> people working outside of the home or we're actually outside, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's a high bar to set to say, I want to get 30 minutes of exercise because in my mind, even when I think about exercise, it's my heart rates up, I'm sweating. Like there's some real, like a feeling afterwards that I did something right. But when I shift that to just movement, it's like, you know, standing up for a little while at my desk instead of sitting, um, being able to just shift my weight from side to side 
while I'm standing, you know, being able to kind of reach my arms overhead while I'm on a conference call and just like get some blood flow into these areas that have just been stagnant. Um, and I've been playing with just trying to figure out a morning routine and I'm not a morning person. So I put like a one, like five minute song on and just try to do some like yoga. And I'm telling you five minutes, I feel like a new person after a night of sleep when you wake up stiff. So I love this idea of shifting that and kind of bringing the bar a little bit lower for people. And the point that you made that, that really resonates with me too is the knowing where you're starting from. And I'm guilty of this too, where like, if you have been sedentary for a while, or you've just gotten out of routine, you haven't prioritized movement, you want a quick fix. It's just like with weight loss, you're like, oh my God, I've been eating a little bit more than I should, or maybe they're not right, not the right things for like six or nine months now. And a first, I, I spend two days eating well, and I'm like, why isn't the scale moving? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the same thing with exercise, right? You're just like, oh my God, I haven't been exercising. I'm going to go out and run three miles. And then it's like, oh my God, my body hurts so much. So then you do nothing the next day. Exactly. So it's, it's that mentality of wanting to reverse things so quickly and, and trying to teach ourselves that patience and, um, being in it for the long game. Right. And that's, that's really hard for people. And it's hard too. And I, I was a CrossFit, you know, trainer for a little while and, um, seeing people come in and trying it for the first time, you could just watch their eyes looking at the other people that had been there for years. And they'd be like, add an they'd add another weight to their bar after that. I saw them like looking around, you know, they're just like, I should be doing more. If that guy can do more, I should be able to do more. They compare their chapter one to someone's chapter 25. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, um, yeah. And I think your, your point about the goals too, um, the goal, I, I really am against the, the goal of movement and particularly relating to weight. And I know weight is something that a lot of people struggle with. It's a lot of the reason that they first come to fitness professionals for help. You know, they want to dial in their nutrition. They want to, you know, look a little better, feel a little bit better. They want their clothes to fit a little bit better. Um, and it's a, it's a, it is, you know, it is one of the health markers, right? But it is not the only health marker. And I would argue that it's not the best health marker either. So, so our focus on it is, is heavily influenced by society, but there's so many more benefits of movement that people are unaware of. So picking into the goal piece a little bit. So if it's like, I want to run a 5k, it's like, okay, well, why do you want to run a 5k? You know, is it a sense of accomplishment that you're looking for? Is it that you want to train and have a goal and, you know, get a medal at the end of it? You know, is it that somebody else is doing it and you want to spend time with that friend training, you know? Um, but I would also encourage people to think about other goals. Like, um, I want to be able to get out of bed in the morning and not be in pain, <laughs> right. you know, very small things. Like think about how it is throughout your day. And, and to your point, I mean, I have friends who loved, I lived in Colorado for a long time and, you know, big ski place, but there would be people who would do nothing and then ski season would come. And like you said, you talked about the sort of, uh, you know, breaking out of the winter <laughs> and then yeah. deciding to run a 5k ski season was a lot like that too. You know, people just be like, Oh my God, my body is broken after, you know, skiing a full day. I'm like, yeah, because you weren't doing anything to prepare for that. But the smart people would actually get into the gym and start getting ready for ski season, you know, like doing squats and lunges and, you know, the core stuff, stability, balance. And, um, you know, it's when you have a goal for something that you want to enjoy and you want to enjoy it in a way that keeps you safe and healthy, that can be a good driving motivator too. 
Absolutely. And <clears throat> one thing that's just really interesting is, uh, you know, everyone's familiar with the health and fitness magazine, right? I always like to say there's a reason why it's health and fitness, not fitness and health, right? It's like a lot of, a lot of people confuse the fact that if you're fit, you're healthy. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. Yeah. We see a lot of fit people that have a lot of health issues, like whether it be back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, and they just chalk it up to like, oh, that's just the way it is, right? But yeah. this is one of the biggest reasons why I fell in love with the Chinese culture in regards to physical, their physical culture, right? Tai Chi, Qigong, Kung Fu. Why? Because their relationship with time is very different in that in the Chinese culture, you know, when you engage in some type of physical training, they look at a five or 10 year plan. Mm. Whereas in the Western culture, it's like, let's get shredded for the summer. <laughs> yeah, you totally. know what I mean? Or you can have a month to month gym membership, cancel any time. You know? so the, Eastern, the Eastern and the Western culture's relationship to time is drastically different. And thus we see a drastic difference in the longevity of the culture, right? Like, yeah. I don't know the statistics to this, but I'm, yeah. I'll put my money on the fact that in, in China, they probably have less hip and knee replacements than in the US. And like, I would like someone to Google that for me and see if that's <laughs> true. But I just know from, you know, being in both, having a foot in both cultures, seeing what people in the age of 50 and 60 tend to look like and move like in a Tai Chi culture versus a traditional weightlifting culture. Um, yeah. And I'm not banging on any weightlifters because like I lift weights too. I just, I've changed my relationship to time mm -hmm. and thus I don't feel this lean forward um, desire for urgency as much as I used to. And then I, because of that, I've also just seen a lot of random aches and pains that I thought I had to live with in order to train and be strong dissipate as I've changed my relationship to time. Yeah. Kind of like bringing it all the way back to your initial question. It's like when we talk about goals, right? Um, I think it's really important to try to get people to be a little bit more visionary minded and ask themselves like, okay, where do you want to be five, 10 years from now? Do you want to sacrifice your health? Do you want to sacrifice your joint health for the sake of a short-term aesthetic look? Because I'll tell you one thing, the side effect of having a long-term goal and having that consistency uh, is weight loss. <laughs> and, they, and people tend to keep the weight off longer. Yeah, because they're changing their lifestyle. Yeah. Whereas the short term mindset is like a lot of people can lose weight very quickly, but if you actually look at the statistics on this in a, a year from that goal, they actually put on that weight plus some more. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so it's, so, you know, it's, it's, I think to boil it down to me, it's when, when we talk about, you know, exercise personality or finding what really jives with you from an exercise standpoint, I think changing our relationship to time and then making the decisions based off of that, I think is really helpful because that starts to combat things like guilt. Mm -hmm. It starts to combat things like this um, incessant urgency. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if, you're not, if you're not feeling like a sack of potatoes after your workout, you didn't do anything, right? <laughs> right. 
Like going for a walk, 90% of people don't believe that going for a walk is exercise. And they're right. Based on the definition of the Western cultures, exercise. Bruce Lee used to have a really interesting perspective on, he used to call it Western hygiene versus Eastern hygiene. And I feel like that was just a, uh, a way of not being able to translate a Chinese phrase to a, um, English phrase, but basically the, uh, Eastern hygiene in terms of exercise is really focused on the, uh, mind body's presence while they're moving for the purposes of circulation and health. Mm -hmm. And that was always the foundational aspect of the physical culture in, um, in China when you're, when you're doing anything physically Whereas in the Western culture, it really is about uh, strength, power, endurance, and really crushing yourself and really taking yourself to your limits. And so it's just a totally different mindset going into physical training. You see, yeah. like in, in, in China, it's, about- it's health comes first, and that's like trained for like years. Um, and that's not to say like, I've been put through some of these workouts, like you're sweating profusely afterwards. It's, it's a very, but your, your body feels like a cloud after and you wake up the next day and it's, it's like a full body soreness. That's not really specific to a certain joint or region. It's, it's very, it's very different. Mm -hmm. So I think you touched on a couple of things there. One, the, the Eastern Western thing, um, you know, I'm having also been an, an, am a yoga instructor. We see a big difference in the way that the West has interpreted yoga and incorporated it. And, you know, we have power yoga, we have make you sweat yoga, <laughs> you know, I would teach yoga and have people like pushing me, like, I need the class to be harder, you know, <laughs> it's just like, that's so not the point. And I just come back to something. One of my coaches said to me, and she was like, you know, you know, we like to punish ourselves here. And so when you were describing like how we approach fitness and exercise here, it's like, you feel like you, you need to be punished and we use it as punishment too. It's like, I need to do a really hard workout today. Cause I ate a pizza last night or, yeah. you know, I haven't worked out in five days, so I better make sure that this one's a really good one. Right. And then you set yourself up for disaster. Cause then you can't work out again for another five days because you made yourself so sore. So I think that that's, that part is really interesting too. And then I love the idea of changing your relationship with time and thinking about the long game. It's a really tough shift though for human beings because we are so wired to take care of what's in front of us in the moment and not think ahead. I mean, our whole culture is set up this way, including the health care system, right? We don't, we don't focus on preventive medicine. Preventive medicine isn't covered by insurance companies, so-called health insurance companies. Um, so it's really on us to kind of think that way and preserve ourselves. And I guess that's a good segue into, um, you know, how we move the needle on our perception of recovery and time off and active recovery and those kinds of things too. Because like you, I, you know, I trained for an Olympic weightlifting competition for a year and I worked out five days a week, at least two hours a day. I was sore all the time. I was tired all the time. I met my goal. I was super proud of it. You know, I absolutely gained strength, but I'll tell you something. I haven't worked out like that now in over a year and a half. I've maintained and even PR'd beyond that, just lifting a couple days a week seriously. And then the other days doing excess movement, going for walks, hiking, just making sure that my joints and body are healthy. 
And, and I have another friend who I talked to recently. She loves CrossFit. She goes only three days a week. And that's kind of in the CrossFit world, like light, because they really encourage you to go every single day. And she said, people just give her crap all the time because she comes in and crushes it. She beats them all in the wads. And it's because she's like, yeah, because I'm not beating my body up to the point where I can't do the movements anymore. Can you hear me? Yeah, totally. Okay, you're frozen. (laughs) That makes (laughs) so, so much sense to me. And um, yeah, I think think helping people gain a little bit more insight into the importance of recovery and a focus on health and how that can actually enhance performance because a lot of people actually think the opposite it's like well if i take time off i'm gonna lose my performance like no this is like this is about performance optimization. (laughs) like you don't get it like if you take a day off you're gonna get stronger not weaker (laughs) and i'll give you so how do we that that is so pervasive remez and and i mean i know you've seen it my my husband's a runner and he uses exercise for a mental release too so i mean this comes full circle back to what you're talking about in terms of understanding people's goal when it comes to movement so you know maybe some of that fear of taking time off isn't necessarily about well i'm going to lose strength in the two days that you're two days a week that you're asking me to take time off maybe there is a psychological component to that too where it's just like if I don't go to gym, what am i going to do like well, so taking so people misinterpret taking time off as doing nothing, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's not what we're saying, right? Like you can actually take a day off and, like you said, go for a hike, you know, hit the sauna, and like get a really good sweat in the sauna, get your heart rate to a really decent moderate level where you're actually optimizing circulation and you feel high afterwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> that runner's high without running, like that's yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think, I think that's another mental shift that people need to need to have. And I think giving a lot of people certain metrics, like tangible things, cause not everybody has the, um, hasn't cultivated that self-awareness just yet, especially in the Western culture. So I think having things like resting heart rate, which can be done by a Fitbit. A lot of people have Fitbits, right? And yeah. as we speak right now, I'm in the mid, I'm in. I'm in week six of a pretty aggressive strength program with kettlebells, right? So real quick example, I've been tracking my resting heart rate over the last few weeks. Um, and then over the last two weeks, my heart rate went, resting heart rate went from 52 beats per minute. And then most recently, the beginning of this week, it was up to 60, 61. Mm-hmm. I haven't broke 60 in a while because my aerobic capacity has been pretty good. I've been focusing on it. So seeing that my resting heart rate just jumped up 10 beats, coming into this week of training was a reawakening for me because guess what? I also started feeling a lot more back tension this week, sitting at my desk and, you know, being a little bit more tired, just having awareness of those little pieces of how does your body feel? What's your resting heart rate? What has it been? And if we see a sudden spike in resting heart rate, well, maybe that's a sign, not maybe that's a sign to, invest a little bit more time this week in recovery, right? Going for longer walks is trying to stay in lower heart rate zones again, to optimize circulation, just like the Eastern culture is Mm -hmm. trying to teach us, right? Because a lot of people don't realize this, but one of the um, foundational um, factors of immobility and inflexibility is ischemia, which is the lack of circulation, which is, 
we get from sustained postures and sustained positions or just lack of movement. Yeah. Right? So if we can minimize ischemia or the lack of circulation going to certain tissues in our body, that in and of itself can improve our mobility and our flexibility. Right. You know? So again, people think of taking time off as just sitting on the couch and binging on Netflix. Like that's not what we're saying when you right. recovery and rest. And I think it's really important for our listeners to appreciate that um, mm -hmm. and have that mental shift. So like, just to quickly summarize, we talked about changing our relationship with time, changing our perspective of what a day off means, mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to optimize your performance and your longevity, um, which is why I love so many of the Tai Chi and Qigong movements, because number one, it helps give, you, give us a cognitive anchor on the movement, on breath work, another way of optimizing circulation and oxygen, oxygenation of our body, oxygenationing, I think. I'm just going to make up that word. We can make up new words. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it, it really helps you feel like you are actually taking that initiative to circulate. And the, the, the Chinese um, and Tai Chi practitioners have this visualization while you're doing some of these movements. As you're breathing in, visualizing your blood literally just proliferating with oxygen molecules and just and like visualizing that circulation going into the limbs that you just strength trained yesterday and just filling them with nutrients and like imagining a bunch of um construction workers in your body going in and just rebuilding the tissue that you built upon yesterday during your strength training so all this visualization breath work cognitive anchoring that is so much of what recovery means to us as Tai Chi practitioners, um, mm -hmm. which is again, a lot different in terms of the Western culture's perspective of taking a day off. Yeah. You see? Yeah. No. And I think that's where probably some guidance is needed too. And so, you know, I, ideas you've threw out some like, um, sauna, walking, hiking, um, I mean, yoga is a perfect way also connecting breath with movement, yep. you know, and I, we do that kind of visualization too. Like imagine the breath going into that area that feels tight, breaking up that tension and exhaling, releasing all of that tension. I mean, you can even do just breath work, you know, just a five minute session of four part breathing, breathe in for five, hold it for five, breathe out for five, hold it for five. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that people can incorporate even into their day. Yeah, two things, two things about what you just said, actually. Number one is a lot of people don't realize this, and I learned this from my, uh, my Tai Chi and Kung Fu master. Tai Chi actually was originated from yoga. Ah, okay. Which, is, I, which I found really interesting because a bunch of martial artists in, in China, like Kung Fu martial artists, they were just always like training really, really hard, right? And they weren't aging very well. Now, we're talking thousands of years ago. Right. And this... Indian guy, I forget his name, came over and was just like, you guys are doing a lot of external practice, but you're not really doing much of the internal work. So he started bringing meditation and yoga practice in, and then the martial artists started taking that, and then they developed Tai Chi and Qigong based on those principles. Um, well, and, and the other piece of that is that every, we use the term yoga very loosely in the West, and we typically mean the physical practice of it, but the physical asana practice of yoga is only one of eight limbs of what yoga philosophy <laughs> actually is, and breath and meditation are part of that as well. So the um, internal that would be arts. Yeah, we could, we could expand on that, that definition. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> in a, 
separate session. <laughs> when I was uh, when I was still very much a meathead, starting my Tai Chi practice, my, uh, my one of my coaches said something to me that I didn't understand at first, and he was like, "You have a lot of external strength, but you have no internal strength." <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean, bro?" <laughs> right. And like, it wasn't until I really started really getting into the practice where I started to realize like, oh, internal strength means you're able to be present. You're able to not really think about what happened yesterday, what's going to happen after training today, and just really focus on what you're currently doing. Yeah. Really optimizing your breath, really relaxing while you're moving. Like, I didn't know how to do that. I was like a stiff board. I, it was like, yeah. not deadlifting mess. Like you're just moving your arm through space. Relax. Like that. Right. was. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I got that feedback from you a lot when we were working together in my rehab too. It was like well, that's, you know, 10% effort, Danielle, not 110%. <laughs> but that's what, that's what training with kettlebells and barbells does for us. Right. It, it teaches yeah. us how to get strong and like create tension. And that's so important in terms of yeah. um, optimizing longevity. But one of my principles now that I always remind myself of is uh, we have to learn how to optimize tension and relaxation. Mm-hmm. To me, if you want to optimize tension, you have to know how to relax. If you want to optimize relaxation, you have to know how to get tense. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like the, it's the yin and yang principle. Yin and yang. Yeah, exactly. Really, really bringing it to actionable practice in terms of physical training. And just to bring that, um, that piece about being, being present full circle to the active recovery, you know, on those days off when you're doing alternative forms of movement that are supportive to your goals, um, that's exactly, if you have that inner strength where you can actually think about what you're doing and not what you're missing, you know, so like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm not in the gym lifting again today. It's like, wow, I'm so happy that the workout I did yesterday is now being supported by this you know, hour long hike that I'm going on and I can just feel like the blood flowing through my hips and my knees that I worked so hard yesterday and having gratitude for your body, right? Like I'm so grateful that I was able to complete that workout yesterday. And I'm so grateful today that I'm giving myself, you know, the time to maximize the benefits of that with this active recovery. Well, I love it. I love it. I, one of my, one of my mentors always used to say that gratitude is the, is the um, anecdote to guilt. Mm-hmm. And I was dead yeah, dead. exactly. And so, so this is a perfect application of that, right? For, for those kind of hardcore type A, whether you're an athlete or just type A in general, you know, thinking like you always have to be on, you always have to be doing something more and pushing more and, you know, feeling guilty for taking a day off. I think that really happens for people too. Um, but like you said, it's not really taking a day off. It's having a day of complementary activity and movement that continues to support your goals and that honors your body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it allows it to grow yeah yeah exactly yeah well i could keep i could keep going on that tangent <laughs> <laughs> well no that's a good i mean it's good that these little pieces come up that we can kind of pull on those threads for different um different sessions so i i have a question for you um you know in in, in yoga practice do you feel like within yoga, the yoga community, is there, are there certain aspects of yoga that you seem, you feel jive with certain types of 
people and personalities. Like we talked about exercise personality in general in the very yeah. beginning of this conversation. But like if we like really drilled into a certain culture, like I know um, in martial arts, there's all these different branches of martial arts to get into. And I know there's a lot of different branches of yoga, but I'm not really well versed in it. So I was just curious, like, is there like yoga personalities? Oh, a hundred percent. And I've had a lot of people, you know, I, I work in a, a field where we all kind of live in different areas of the country and somebody will say to me like, I really want to start yoga. And so I'll knowing their personality and kind of knowing what they want to do, I'll go online and I'll look for different teachers and classes and description of styles. And I called it like the yoga matchmaker. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a yoga matchmaker. I'm like, like, this is a class you're really going to like. Like, I'll read the teacher's background. I'll be like, you're going to resonate with this person. Mm. What I always tell people is, you know, you've got to try different classes, different teachers. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like Bikram yoga, for example, is, you know, 105 degree room, same postures every single time you go to class. And some people go seven days a week and they're, so they're doing the same thing every single day. For some people, they love that. And there's a meditative part to that too, you know, that you're, you're sort of in this flow you know what's coming. Oh, we lost you. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? It'll probably come back in a second. Can you, oh, can you hear me? Oh, we're back. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was saying, you know, with, with the, the Bikram, it's very much the same thing every day. Ashtanga is the same way, um, same set of postures every day. Um, and then I personally like variety. So I will go to a vinyasa class, which is still a movement class where you're breathing and moving pretty um, consistently throughout the class. But then there's like yin yoga where you're in postures for a really long time, but they're all supported. They're on the floor. You're in them for five minutes a piece and you're really getting deep into the connective tissue in terms of releasing any tension. Um, and it's a little more meditative. So there's absolutely, and there's, I mean, if, if you're up for variety, like there's, you could do this thing where you're today, I need something invigorating, you know, Sunday evening, I might go to a relaxation kind of yoga class, you know, and it's still going to be, that's a great example of how we can use a modality to support your strength, your endurance, your relaxation, your flexibility, your balance. I mean, you could get pretty much everything that you needed. Um, I mean, I did a short yoga practice this morning. My heart rate got up to 115, you know, which is hard for me to even do on a walk. <laughs> like, and I walk pretty fast. Like I can do a walk around my neighborhood up hills and I won't get above like 95. So, I mean, there's, when people think about like, oh, well, yoga, that's just stretching. It's like, well, no, you know, there's different aspects to all of these and, mm. and your personality and the day each day may be different in terms of what you're drawn to or what your body is asking you for. Yeah. That reminds me of, uh, when people hear Tai Chi, they're like, oh yeah, that's what old people do at the park, right? I'm like, nah. <laughs> yeah, that's totally yeah. my vision too. <laughs> but like my vision, my vision, honestly, like because Tai Chi has really changed my life, both from like a strength training perspective, like how I approach business, how I approach my life in general. Like my goal is to eventually bring, try to help bring Tai Chi to athletes and young people who want to get strong and fit because like, oh my God, can it optimize fitness and performance? Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty classic of, you know, the thing that you need the most is the thing that you are probably. Uh, yep. I, you just, you, I just lost you. I just lost you. Ah. <laughs> K 
Can you hear me? No. Come on. Oh, we're back. This yeah, it's funny. I had like a 100% strong signal. What I heard was the thing that you need the most is. Oh, I left you on a cliffhanger there. Yeah. Um, the thing <laughs> you reject the most, right? Yeah. Or that yeah. you sort of push away. And, and I was saying, I've seen that within a single yoga class. You know, somebody will, will get a runner, somebody hardcore type A runner, come to a yoga class, like a vinyasa yoga class, you know, pretty you know, your heart rate's up for the most part. And then we get to final relaxation, which is part of every yoga class. And they're like rolling up their mat and booking it out of the room as fast as they can. Yeah. There's no way you're going to have this person lying down perfectly still for five minutes. Yeah, I've seen it over and over again. And it is the funniest thing to me, you know, and I'm just like, and I'll say something. I'll be like, you do realize that the fact that this makes you want to literally run out the door is means it's probably exactly what you need. That was that was me with Tai Chi. That was me with my Tai Chi and martial arts practice. Like at the end of our session, after I was drenched in sweat, my coach would be like, all right, man, like grab the mat, sit down. We're going to do five minutes of meditation. And I was like, no, I have to go. I have work to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like I got to go. Like, but Forcing myself to do that, like really just opened up this whole new world of slowing down that like yes. took it to the next level because like I didn't realize when I first started my Tai Chi practice was I was so restless and I was one of those people that couldn't sit still. Right. So there's like, yeah. like a continuum, like, yes, movement is good for you, but I think we all need to be able to just sit with ourselves and be still and not feel like we have to always be moving, you know? Right. Um, and I, I think that practice in and of itself was huge for me, um, that I just really tr rejected at first. I was such a, I was such a meathead. Yeah. And <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, we, we've all kind of come through that, that process. Can you still hear me? Cause you're frozen. Okay. Yeah. Um, so real quick, just on that too. I think the other end of that, when you see people come through the other side of it and um, make the choice to rest. And I have two examples of this that I always love telling people when they try yoga. One was a class I taught where a woman was new. She showed up, she did like the first five minutes of the class. It was an hour and 15 minute class, I think. And then she just laid down on her mat for the rest of the time. And I was a little like worried. And so I kind of watched her, you know, the whole classes I'm teaching. And I think I checked in on her once and asked if she was okay. And she was like, oh yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and so when she left, I felt some like, I was like, oh man, like she was new. I don't know if she liked it or maybe she felt like she couldn't do it. You know, I was really feeling kind of like maybe I did something wrong. And so I'm out in the lobby kind of saying goodbye to all the students. And she walks out and she just looks at me and she goes, oh. That was the best yoga class I've ever taken. Wow. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, she just laid down for the entire time. <laughs> but I was like, that's what she needed. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with what I was teaching. It was what she needed that day. And she gave herself permission to have it. And mm -hmm. I was like, what a freaking awesome lesson. Like, she didn't leave going like, I'm so you know bummed that I came. I couldn't do any of that. She was just like, happy to have the time and space, probably maybe away from her family, away from her job, anything else that was bugging her. And then the second example 
super good athlete was in one of my classes. You know, we always came very, very strong guy um, and a guy too. So it's a little, sometimes a little harder for them to let go of the ego, right? You know, it's just natural. Um, I remember he came in one day and we were doing class and same thing, like maybe 10 minutes into it, he just goes into child's pose. He stayed there for the rest of the class. And at the end of the class, I was just like in awe. I'm like, here's this guy who could like out yoga anybody, whatever that means, right? But <laughs> very, very strong, <laughs> very, very strong practice. Could do all of the postures, you know, obviously super fit. And he was just like, this is what I needed today and I'm going to take it. And there was no shame. There was no apology. And I'm sure he felt awesome afterwards. And those two people in my mind are always like my bar for the you know, letting go of that ego, checking in with your body, taking what you actually need and like setting an example too, you know, like how, how awesome is that? That's the inner strength. They have inner strength. (laughs) That literally highlights that self-care is healthcare to be, to be kind of cliche. Yeah. Great, great, great great way to wrap it up too. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to just like give our listeners any like, just quick little actionable things in terms of um, yoga practice throughout that they can incorporate throughout their day. If they feel like they don't have the time to actually indulge in an hour practice. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing everyone can do is um, just start to notice your breath. I mean, notice what happens when you're in a tense situation. If you're holding your breath, if you're clenching your jaw, if you're making fists, I've been called out on on this sometimes like why are your hands clenched and I'd realize like oh my god I'm super frustrated (laughs) you know so I would just start with observation this is how we start every single yoga class is before we change anything it goes back to what you were saying too Ramez about being aware aware where you're starting from and so that is all about like do you take do you ever take deep breaths during the day and if you find yourself taking a deep breath or sighing like what's the impetus for that when when does that happen is it when you're just like noticing that you haven't taken a breath in a long time, you know, and and same thing with your body. Just notice, like, do you typically clench your jaw, your fists, your, you know, does your back have little twinges? You know, what does it feel like when you're sitting versus when you're standing? What does it feel like if you try to stand perfectly still versus shifting your weight or fidgeting constantly? Mm. Um, Just start to pick up on those little things. And then, we can kind of work with what those observations might mean, but that, that self-awareness is, um, is key to start with. So that's, that's, and that's yoga, you know, we didn't, ha- I didn't have to teach you any poses or even any breath exercises or meditation. Like that is yoga. It starts with principles. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right, everyone. That's today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, Please follow us on Spotify, share it with a friend or a colleague. We would greatly appreciate your support. If you have any questions, concerns, or topics you'd like to hear us discuss in the future, please email cHealthSelfCare at gmail.com. That's C as in the letter C, HealthSelfCare at gmail.com. You can also email Danielle at Danielle at cHealthCoach.com or myself at Ramez at seahealthcoach.com. Thank you again for listening and we hope you have a great rest of your day.